0: Good to see all of you here this morning. Good to see our visitors as well. If you're visiting, please feel free to fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you. I will promise to always turn the mic on before I come up here in the future. I don't think about it. Uh, In fact, that song that we sang right before I got up here, Brian, that's one of our... uh, (laughs) one of our family favorites. Um, just because our daughter's alto, I can only, that's all I can hear when, when we're singing it. Uh, appreciate your service to us this morning and leading those songs. Want to encourage everybody to be attending your life groups. Uh, if you have some challenges and difficulties, get with your leaders so that they know what's going on, uh, so they can help out in any way or maybe get some help from the life groups that are going on in that way. I know that they would appreciate that want to remind everybody that next weekend is Fellowship and Firearms. There's quite a few of you that are already signed up on the sheet in the back. Looks like Joey and I are going to have to get out there and expand the ranges some just so we can get more people on the firing line when you're out there. Uh, and I was thinking this morning that if you're only planning on shooting rifle, we'll come out and make fun of the pistol shooters during that time of fellowship. And if you're only planning on shooting pistol, stick around and make fun of the rifle shooters or encourage, I'm sorry, Did I, say, I said that wrong. Spend that time in fellowship for the entirety that we're out there. Bring some chairs. It's, I think it's gonna be a good time. Looking forward to seeing all of you out there next weekend. Also, the sign-up sheet for Trunk or Treat is in the back. Yeah, get your name on that. I think Nick was expecting more people's names to be on that sheet than what's there. So I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider how you can be a part of that time of fellowship and service, not just to the kids here at Boulevard, but to the community uh, as we get this out there. And before we get into the lesson, just a piece of news for you and information from the elders. Guys, you got to appreciate a group of elders that really are concerned with doing things God's way and leading us in a way that is pleasing to God. And they've been doing it, if you haven't noticed in the bulletin or just over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of restructuring that's been going on. With different roles and ministries, coordinators coming in, stepping in to fill those gaps that the elders have been honestly doing themselves, and they realized they sh- didn't need to be in charge of those things. And through all of the reconstruction and everything that's been going on, the elders have decided that they would take over benevolence. And so I think the way that they are planning on this working is we, since we have a contact elder yeah, for three months at a time that if there is a benevolence need that comes up that you will present it to the contact elder and then he will get with the other elders and work through the different benevolence cases that come up from among us. Continue to pray for these guys. They they take their their role seriously uh, and it's an encouragement to them to know that you're praying for them through all of this. One of our modern poets, which by the way, if you can tell me at the end of the lesson, kids... How many Joe Walsh references I make? There'll be something wonderful in your future. But one of our modern poets has said that I'm just an ordinary average guy. My friends are all boring and so am I. I'm an ordinary average guy. Now how many of us when we hear those words, that just kind of resonates with us, right? We just think of ourselves as ordinary average guys, right? Okay, so me, Joey and Nick and Bud, that's it. Uh, And Judith, she's an ordinary average guy too. Uh, (laughs) But when you start thinking about characters in the scriptures, people in the Bible that we read about, who comes to mind when you hear the phrase ordinary average guy? I think there's a lot of them out there, but the one guy that just always pops up in my mind is Peter. Right? Yeah, I mean, you look at Peter, this salt-of-the-earth fisherman who more times than not was one of those guys that enjoyed the taste of shoe leather. Uh, it, he, he excelled at putting his foot in his mouth all the time. You know, those instances where, you know, he, he kind of pulls that little brave heart thing when Jesus is being arrested and he pulls the sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear, almost like the, I forget the character's name that he says to William Wallace. He says, you sure the Almighty didn't put me here to make sure that you'd be taken care of? You know, Peter just does those things that resonate with us because he is just a strict, ordinary guy. And I think that it could be an encouragement to us if we think of him in those terms. And not just think of him in those terms, but also transfer that thought to us, too. And look at the amazing things that God can do with ordinary, average people. Okay? Now, that's, so we look at all of the different things. And if we were going to study the life of Peter, which we're not, by the way, I think we would learn that it's not the weakness of Peter that defines him, but it's actually his faith and how he moves through his weaknesses and failures that actually defines him. See, prior to Jesus calling him and him becoming a disciple in Matthew chapter 4, we see Peter, Andrew, James, and John leave everything behind to follow Jesus. Yeah, and realize, understand something real quick, that Jesus had already been preaching and teaching the kingdom before he calls them. So this isn't like Jesus is an unknown at the time that he makes the call to Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. Now, up to this point... Peter's life, you can kind of imagine what he was doing. He was basically, you know, TCB, right? He goes, "Come on." Taking care of business. People are looking at me when I said TCB like TCB. I don't remember reading that in the scriptures. Taking He was basically taking care of business. Family, fishing, that was Peter's life. It's not like he was an extraordinary individual with a lot of charisma and had a huge following of people when Jesus calls him. Uh, but his life, when you think about it, or actually as Peter will look at it later, his life, he realizes is all one of illusion, right? He thinks he understands everything, and really all he's waiting for is somebody to just help him break through that wall of confusion so that he can actually see the world the way it needs to be seen. And so he's in this boat, he's had a horrible night of fishing, Jesus comes up and he says, hey guys, I know I'm only a carpenter, but you should listen to me and throw your nets on the other side. They decide to do it. They have this great catch of fish. And so, from our reading, it says Simon Peter saw the great catch of fish. He experiences this with Jesus. He falls down at Jesus' feet and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sinful man. Amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. So it's not just Peter who recognizes how wonderful this situation is. It's everyone there that has witnessed it. Peter is the one that is recorded for us as actually saying something about it. James and John were also amazed and sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, here's the deal, Peter. Life as you knew it no longer exists. Everything is going to change from this moment forward. You'll no longer be catching fish. You're going to be catching men. And Peter comes face to face with the reality of his sin. He and trust me, anytime you come face to face with the reality of your sin, you always come face to face with the consequences of that sin. Always. And when when Peter experiences Jesus in the catch of fish, he realizes not just his sin, but he is standing in the presence of power and authority and isn't quite comfortable with the consequences that are coming. I think it was fear that drove him to Jesus' feet. That that truth of who he was standing before. He's going to spend the next few years following Jesus, right? Right? He's going to see Jesus walk on water. Peter's even going to walk on water, right? It's one of those claim to fames that Peter has that none of the other disciples have, right? He's the guy who walked on water. And now I know, I know a lot of people will focus, well, he only made it a couple steps. Yeah, but when was the last time you tried walking on water? How far did you make it? Right? There's some, there's some amazing stuff happening there when Peter steps out of the boat and actually walks on water. Because understand, this isn't God in the flesh walking on water. This is a man. This is an ordinary average guy. One of the two people who have ever walked this earth that walked on water, and Peter is one of them. He's going to perform some miracles. Right? Jesus is going to give him power and authority over demons. Life's pretty good for him so far, right? And then the master is arrested. And he's the... And, and Jesus has even warned of his arrest and what's going to be happening. He's been preparing his apostles, the disciples, for this for a while before he is arrested. And in Luke 22, starting in verse 31, Peter, well, okay, needs to take his sandal out of his mouth real quick because he's, he's confessed to Jesus that, you know, there's nothing that's going to keep him from sticking with Jesus and doing what he's supposed to be doing, Right? And Jesus looks him in the eye, I imagine him looking him in the eye and saying, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and you, once, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I'm ready to go to both prison and to death. And Jesus says, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times. Satan is gonna run Peter through the ringer, guys. And then comes Peter's most crushing failure, at least up to this point in his life. Hey, didn't I see you with him? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 I did see you with him. Man, you must have slipped and bumped your head somewhere. I don't know that dude. But you were with him. No, I wasn't. And this after he had told Jesus that there was nowhere else to go to receive the words of eternal life that there was he would go with him to prison and death and he confesses that he does not know him it's not long after that that jesus will come face or peter will come face to face with the master jesus on the beach and receive grace upon grace forgiveness upon forgiveness and restoration of relationship guys it's because peter has experienced grace that he's now qualified to preach grace so we're going to start this week a study into 1st and 2nd peter It'll take us a while to work through it. We're not going to do a chapter at a time like what we did with Mark. We're going to just deal with certain sections of the text as we go through it. I encourage you to read through it. They're not very long books, but I guarantee you, you will be blessed if you would just read First and Second Peter every week. Get the story that Peter is telling here. Because in them, Peter speaks about the availability of the gospel. He will speak about the reality of the gospel. And when I say the reality of the gospel, not just that the good news is real, and true but also what it does for people and the reality that it brings to the life of the individual who embraces that gospel right you look at what he says there in 1st peter chapter 1 for instance he says Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled, and will not fade away, restored in heaven for you, reserved in heaven for you, excuse me, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Or you go to Second Peter chapter 1, and you look at what he says in verses 2 through 4, and he says, "'Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises.'" so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lost. These are the words of a man who has first-hand experience of what the gospel will do to you. And it's because Peter has seen the highs and Peter has seen the lows of life that he can actually speak of the glory of the gospel and the demand that it places on each of us. The responsibility that we carry when it is put upon our shoulders. And these two letters, guys, if, they, if you get nothing else from this study, these two letters will encourage us to live a holy life, to be different, separate. He's gonna show us that our lives have purpose. And the reason that our lives have purpose is because that purpose has been established by the truth of the gospel. And when everything is said and done, my prayer is that we will see that the only life that is worth living is the one that's found in Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm just an ordinary average guy. My friends aren't that boring, but neither am I. Have we joyfully embraced the truth that what God is looking to do in this world at this time and at this place can be accomplished when he takes ordinary people and does the extraordinary? He can do that. He will do that. And he does that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of times we throw around that word gospel as if it's, you know, maybe some kind of magical incantation that we whisper and everything will be good to go. But we need to embrace there is no magic. And this is the reality, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. That he lived a life as a man perfectly Showing us what the will of the Father is, showing us that God is the one true God, the only God, and that because of our poor decisions and our sin, we have ruined our relationship with Him. But because Jesus was submissive to the Father's will and God's eternal purpose, the dying on the cross, being buried. Being raised from the dead presents to us the opportunity and hope of restoration of the relationship. That is not just good news. That's the best news. And when we embrace the truth of that, when we make the confession of Jesus as Lord, we follow him in likeness of burial after we put ourselves to death, and we are buried in the waters of baptism and raised out of that tomb of water, a new creation, added to the kingdom according to God's purpose and put in the body according to his goodwill. We recognize the reality of life now. We're able to actually understand what grace is. We experience it, and we can preach it. Because Jeremy's not the only preacher in the room. Let that be an encouragement to us as we live our lives for the Lord. If you're ready to take that step this morning, we're going to stand and sing the song that Brian's got. Let that be the opportunity for you to accept the grace and mercy that's available by making that confession and being baptized. But also, it's a time for us as members of the body here at Boulevard to embrace the truth and reality of what we have already acknowledged. That we are put here for a purpose, and that through God's good will, He can accomplish that purpose through ordinary, average people, doing extraordinarily above-average things. If we can help you this morning, whatever it can be, we encourage you to come forward and make it known while we sing. Brian.